Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome one and all to Storybox, the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning, growth, anyone to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I am truly grateful that you have decided to listen in today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My friends, welcome back to another big episode of the Storybox podcast. My name is Jay Phantom. If you don't already know, it's an absolute thrill and honor to have you all here today listening to my next guest and his story. Now, I did this interview uh, last year and had such an amazing conversation and I really wanted to actually release it uh, last year, but unfortunately didn't get a chance, but I feel like now is a perfect time to release this man's episode. Who am I talking about? It is Dean Graziosi. Now, for those of you who don't know who this man is and the incredible story that he has, Dean is a multiple New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and investor. He has started or has been involved in over 13 companies that has changed the lives of many around the world. For over 20 years, Dean has been dedicated to delivering self-education for those seeking transformation and success outside the normal path of traditional education. Recently, he and Tony Robbins launched a knowledge business blueprint with the goal of making self-education viable for millions. It all began with the largest online training in history with over 200 plus thousand people live and has since become a massive movement and this was like i was saying in 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 the intro before a really great conversation and honestly dean really unboxes his story here we share some deep enriching and valuable information for you guys to actually learn from Uh, i actually get a little bit vulnerable here and dean was the first person that i told on a podcast setting about uh, the abuse that I suffered when I was six years old. So, and then when I told Dean that, he actually opened up about something he's never opened up about on a podcast before, which was a real uh, experience to say the least. And thank you, Dean, for being open enough to actually reveal that about yourself. Really do appreciate that, man. Uh, But I know you guys are going to love this episode, so much wisdom here. So if you do get something from it, please share it around to your friends and your family. Let everybody know. Hey, Jay, interviewed Dean Graziosi along with Matthew McConaughey as well. If you haven't already listened to that episode yet, make sure that you go back and do that. 
please. It is a great, great interview. Um, but today, my friends, if you can, please leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think, and that would be greatly appreciated. Um, you guys know what time it is, right? It is time to dive into the story box and hear the New York Times bestselling author, Dean Graziosi's story. I would say what success looks like to me uh, or to anyone, I think it's a moving target, right? It, it's compl it was completely different in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. I'm in my 50s now. Um, it's just, it's a moving target, target and we evolve. And I, I think for everyone, I think it could be one of the most important questions you could ask yourself because because mm. success is beyond worth it, but it's not easy. And, and or, but nothing in life is easy. Working for someone else and struggling isn't easy. Not working at all and knowing you have more to give the world isn't easy. Feeling that you have more potential and you're not using it, that's not easy. So our journey is gonna be hard no matter what in some areas, but if we work a little harder now, we can live a little better later. Um, I'm gonna digress here for a second. Um, a gentleman I met that was paralyzed from the neck down, um, uh, David Keckage, and he had things he called the Keckage credos. And one of his little credos is like a business card that folded out when I met him. And one of it was, living the hard way is easy, and living the easy way is hard. And I immediately got it. It's really easy to you know, eat fast food, sit on the couch, and binge out on Netflix. Mm. That's it's easy now, but it might be hard when you're older, overweight, have diabetes, or don't feel healthy and get out of breath, maybe get a disease, right? It's really easy now to just work for somebody and collect a paycheck, even though you really want more. But it's really hard when you're older and you gave your whole life for something that didn't really mean something to you, right? It's hard now to maybe start your own business, overcome that self-doubt, overcome imposter syndrome, overcome friends and family telling you you're crazy, but it could result to an easier life in the future when you're in control of your time, your money, and your family, right? So the reason I shared that to go upstream a little is it's a really powerful question, and you need to use every asset, every tool in your toolbox to push you through working a little harder now so you can have more abundance, happiness, joy in the future, right? Mm -hmm. Is it hard to make a relationship work? Of course, you gotta work on it, but is it amazing if you could spend 40, 50 years with someone? Oh, yeah. Is it hard being a good parent right now and doing the things that are like, you know, not credit card parenting, put off the bill till later, like do the hard things now, but how great is it when you help craft an amazing adult and becomes easier? So I use everything in my power at this moment to drive me to do the harder things. And one of them is exactly what you said, is really identifying what success means to you. I wanna tell you, for me, success in my life right now means today at three o'clock, that's why we're filming and recording at this time of day. At three o'clock, I'll be outside my kid's school picking them up. And when they're with me, I'm the one waiting outside with a little sign. They come out and, they, and because I want to do that. And I'm never going to let anybody tell me I can't do that. And success, that's what success means to me. Last night, I had a long day, worked hard, but I got home. My daughter wanted to practice softball. I, I, I helped coach my daughter. I helped coach my son. I'm, I, I'm a new six month old baby too. I want to be that dad that's there for him. I want to be, a, I, I messed up on relationships in the past. I'll be honest, but I'm in the love, I'm in a relationship with the love of my life Been married and, and together for four years and every day it gets better. And I need to make sure that success means to me that I have enough time tonight. I'm going out on a date because every Friday is date night, right? So 
What does success mean to me in my life right now? It's growing as a human, contributing as a human, being a good leader to my team because they're like my family, being an amazing dad and being a good husband. And pretty much everything outside that, Jared, it just I, 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 um, doesn't, doesn't fall on my radar anymore. Now, I'm telling you, in my 50s, that's where I'm at, right? In my 20s, if you ask me that, success might have been, listen, I grew up without any money, and yeah. I grew up with awesome friends, but I didn't have money. But in my 20s, I got momentum. I got in real estate and cars. I, my mid-20s, I started making you know, what I thought was a lot of money, maybe a couple hundred thousand a year from a kid that started with nothing, lived in a trailer park, didn't go past high school, like... So success meant to me, I lived in uh, New York, upstate New York, mm. is some Thursdays I would jump on a plane and I would fly to Miami and I'd bring a friend and I'd go party all weekend and I'd dance on tables and get bottle service. Like, I wouldn't do that right now if my life depended on it. I wouldn't go to the Emmys. I wouldn't go to the Oscars. I don't go to fancy parties. I don't do, I don't wear anything but a gray, dark gray or light gray t-shirt. Like, this is my life. I don't, Literally, I don't know the last time I had a suit on. I really can't remember the last time I had a suit on. When I got married is the last time I had a suit on, right? So life changes and priorities change. And it was just, I know that was a short question, but it's deeper. And, and I love that you asked it because you need every tool that you can have in your arsenal to fight for working hard now so we can have more abundance, happiness, joy, love later. And to me, I always want to analyze that. And I don't want anybody to ever take away my decisions to dress the way I want, parent the way I want, be the husband I want, the leader I want, and do things when I want to do it. I love that response. You could have kept talking for ages. I would have kept listening. <laughs> but the reason why I asked that question to start off with is because it's, it has so many layers to it. And oftentimes, people are always searching for, okay, what is the biggest like entrepreneurs, what is their definition of success? What does it look like to them? Because then, you know, I'm always curious by learning from you, Dean, and everything that you've been through, your story, your, your, your journey of what it actually truly looks like. For me, I know in my life, I'm only 24 at the moment, but I came up with a saying this year actually, which is be persistent to remain consistent of the things that you want. So I found out that if I was persistent at learning, if I was persistent at just growing and, and failing even, then I became really consistent. So I found that consistency was the flow on effect of, of persistence. So if I wanted to be successful, then I needed to be persistent at uh, like, you know, health, relationships, building the things in my life that are actually going to benefit me and also benefit other people at the same time. And I'm just curious, what, what do you think about what th that mentality, being persistent? I think uh, being persistent is, I mean, there's a million words that kind of identify similar traits of successful people, but persistence is a must because most of the time the people who fail are the ones who gave up short of the finish line. And I know that's really hard to say because you might be thinking, well, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my friend left me, my, my wife cheated on me, my, they took the money, the partner uh, tanked the company, it wasn't my fault, mm. I, I get all the things. But remember uh, these two words and the difference between the two, resources and resourcefulness. If you wished for one, wish for resourcefulness because resources never make anybody successful, not mm. long-term. Why do people who hit lottery go broke. The majority of people hit lottery go broke. They had the resources, in some cases millions, tens of millions of dollars. Why did they lose it? 
because they had resources, not resourcefulness, right? And if you think of, if you know anybody that's a trust fund child that just gets money on certain birthdays, I've, I've known a few growing up and I've never seen one happy or feel fulfilled in their life. They had all the resources they could put their hands on, but they never learned the skill of resourcefulness. And when I hear it, and everybody's got a different perception, as you said, persistence. What I heard through my lens was if you're persistent long enough, you navigate new territory, mm. you fail, you get up, you fail, you get up, and you become resourceful. And those that stay in the game long enough, take knowledge, become resourceful, turns to wisdom, and that persistency turns to success. Mm -hmm. So if you unpackage that word for yourself, know that you might be saying, I'm being persistent, but what are you really doing? You're staying in the game. Even when people tell you you shouldn't, even when your, your voice on the inside says you're an imposter, you're not good enough, you don't have the money, you don't have the time, you live in the wrong area, your wife doesn't have your back, your husband doesn't believe in you. All of those things can either be your anchor, or while being persistent, they could be the things that make you resourceful mm -hmm. and allow you to build and grow and become unstoppable. I mean, mm -hmm. the most successful people in the world, if you took all their money away, in most cases, if you turned around in three years, it'd be all back mm -hmm. because of resourcefulness. Mm -hmm. I love those two words. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I'm curious, Dean, like you, you've had such a fulfilled life uh, over, over the years. You've learned so much. You're giving back to a lot of people. I'm curious, you would have met a lot of people over the years. So what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Ah, uh, the worst piece of advice. Um, it, it's, it sounds so cliche, but um, stop being a dreamer. Why? Yeah, I mean, the worst, you say the worst piece of advice. Mm. Yeah, and I can remember the first time I ever heard it, and I wrote about it in my last book. I think it's in uh, The Underdog Advantage. Um, my uncle Larry, his name was Larry Barrett. He was my great uncle. He was my grandmother's sister's husband. And I was about 12 years old, maybe 10, 10 to 12 years old. And my mom worked three jobs to make nothing. She cleaned houses, she cut hair, she painted houses and always came home late and tired, single mom trying to support me and my sister, right? And I remember at a young age, man, I just remember she was my first motivation. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rich or make money so I could take care of my mom. I hated watching her work so hard. And I did, I retired my mom in her in, when I was in my 20s and I still send my mom a check every single week of her life. And I have now for almost 30 years, oh my God, 25 years, I've been sending my mom a check. What's that feeling like, being able to do uh, that? It's, it's amazing, and, I, and same with my dad. I send my dad a check every week too. I retired my dad 20 years ago. Wow. Um, but I remember my Uncle Larry, and I remember I was young and a dreamer, naive, which sometimes we need to keep that naive uh, mentality. But I remember my uncle, he said, so where are you going to college? And I remember at a young age, I wasn't that smart in school. I remember saying, I'm not going to college, but I'm going to get rich or whatever term you use at 11 years old. And he's like, oh, that's cute. And I said, no, I'm going to because I, I'm, I don't like my mom struggling. I'm going to be very wealthy someday. I'm going to take care of my mom and take care of the people I love. And I remember my uncle who was very um, by the book. Like now that I'm older, I realize somebody stole his dreams too, mm. right? Someone He allowed someone to steal his dreams, maybe his parents, and he just went in the system. He hated his job he was in. And I knew he, he never was, he always struggled with money, but, but he still gave me the advice and said, ah, oh, that's not the way it works, Dean. That you, you weren't born with money. And the only way you got a shot at getting a good job is to go to college, try to get into a good college, pick a degree. And he said, even if you don't love it, if it's consistent, you'll be able to have enough money to, to live an okay life. 
And I said, I am not going to live an okay life. And that's not enough to take care of my mom. And I remember said, ah, I remember saying, you know what? Someday when you get a little older, you realize it's crazy to be a dreamer. Mm. And I have to tell you, like, I, I don't know if it's by the grace of God, whoever you believe your maker is, but there was something inside of me. I had no proof of concept. Like there was, there was no evidence I would be successful. Right? I didn't come from money. I wasn't a good student. I had dyslexia. Nobody in my family was successful. My family were blue collar, hardworking people. But I have to tell you, there was something inside of me that just said, this dude's all wrong. He's full of crap. This dude is wrong. At a young age, I remember that, um, seriously, I mean, it's 50, almost 50 years ago. And I remember like it was yesterday. I was like, this dude's, I, I, I remember thinking, I know this is an 11 year old. He had a junky old car. I'm yeah. like, so you want me to do what you do and drive a junky old car like that and you're gonna give me advice? Like, I wasn't being rude, but that's what I was thinking on the inside. I was always a polite kid and I was like, oh, thanks Uncle Larry, appreciate the advice. But in my head, I was like, <laughs> I, ain't I ain't listening to that. It sounds like, Dean, you had, from a very young age, you had all the odds stacked up against you. And then what was it that made you realize, okay, I need to sort of change my life. I need to get myself out of this you were dyslexic, you, you struggled a lot. And I'm curious, what was it for you that sort of was the catalyst to, to push you forward and, and get out of that? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to steal your word. I, I was persistent as heck. Mm. I, I, you know, I, um, I just didn't give up. I, you know, I think back of what, you know, we all have a burning desire. We need a burning desire on why we want to do something. We get that right. We know that the deeper, the why, the stronger, the, the, the push, right. Um, and I think I was able to kind of leapfrog that why, right? I, I know I started because I want to take care of my mom. And then once I started getting a little momentum, I want to take care of my dad and be in business. And then as that happened, I wanted to be in control of my time. And, and as that happened, I evolved into the knowledge industry. And as that happened, I wanted to give back. And, and then that happened, I wanted to grow as a human. And then, you know, there, there's two types of entrepreneurs. There's lifestyle entrepreneurs and achievement-based entrepreneurs. One's mm. not better than the other, but some people get to a certain level and go, okay, I'm making a million a year. I golf. I got the house I want, the car I want, the vacation I want. I want to maintain at a million dollars a year because that's the lifestyle I want. Mm. And I, I, have, I found out at an early age that that's not me. Mm. I'm an achievement-based entrepreneur. I want to grow as a human. If I climb one mountain, I want to climb the next. I want to experience what that is. I want, and it's got nothing to do with the, the amount of money. There's, I, I don't think I live different now than I have in a decade and a half, but I want that next mountain and because mm -hmm. I want to learn and I want to keep growing. And, and I'm in a phase now where I'm really obsessed with contribution, right? Mm -hmm. This year alone, I've already donated $600,000 of my own money to Operation Underground Railroad because yeah. every $1,500 saves a child in slavery. Yeah. And I donated a half a million in February. I just donated hundred another $100,000 last week. Um, we just passed 7 million meals through Feeding America, right? I, I don't brag about it. It's not, you know, you can't even find it on my website. You can't mm -hmm. find it on my Instagram, but I love it. I know that every dollar helps feed somebody. I know every $1,500 saves a child, right? That's a passion of mine. But I also want my family to not worry. I want my mom to feel safe, my dad to feel safe. I want my employees and my company to feel safe. So... We find these different reasons that drive us. And mm. what I want to tell you is if you want to go to the next level, find a strong enough reason to get there. And mm. the reason that got, okay, the reason that gets you out of Egypt, 
<laughs> is not the same reason that will take you to the promised land. I love that. Right? So if you had a desire, I had a desire to retire my mom. I did. But when I did that, I needed a new reason. And when that one was achieved, I needed a new one. Like picture like a lighthouse that a boat stares at, right? That in the, in the yeah. fog, the boat can see the lighthouse and knows where to steer, right? Or, or drive the ship. Think the lighthouse of something of your compelling future and where you want to go. And every time you reach the lighthouse, you know what you got to do? You got to grab it and walk it 20 feet in front of you and come back to where you are and stare at it until you get there again. And for me, I keep moving it out. And it doesn't mean you need more money and you just want money for greed reasons. There's a lot of things that I want to do now. I want to, I want to save more children. I want to feed more people. I want, to, I want to do lots of great things. I want to leave a legacy. So I, right now, my obsession, especially partnering with Tony Robbins, because that's his, is impacting the world with what I know. Mm. Not that it's going to resonate with everybody. And I, I hope if you're listening today, there's one thing I say that sparks something great. But if there's just one thing and one person today that shifts their life, I did my job. And it mm. makes me here. It puts me in a good state. It makes me authentic. It makes me enthusiastic. Why? I'm not selling anything today. I didn't get paid to be here. Mm. I'm here because I want to deliver value so somebody could take it and utilize it in their life. And that lights me up. So therefore, I wake up every day with a reason to get out of bed, a reason to push forward. And mm. I think we all need that. I'm going to be vulnerable for a moment and say like your story really relates to a little bit of mine and what I've been through over the years coming from nothing and grew up in housing commission or basically on the same street of housing commission. My dad had to work two jobs. And one of my main goals, the reason why I do what I do is so I can impact the lives of, of so many people to, to make them realize that they are worth something. Because I knew as a young age, I felt like I was worthless, you know. And, and one of the things that I love about your message is the giving back aspect, is being in of service to a lot of people with all this information, with all this education that you can't get really anywhere else. It's valuable information. And I love how you mentioned Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, I think what um, Tim Ballard is doing there and, and everything like that is just honestly absolutely incredible. And if I can help in any way, shape or form with this platform, I want to do that because that's part of my mission. And another thing that I want to say, Dean, is I was persistent too, because if you were to hear even just a little part of my story, you'd be like, why in the world are you still going? Because it is that crazy. It is that insane. And if I can be even more vulnerable for a moment, you know, I, I had ample amount of i almost died three times i had health issues all over my life at the age of six or sexually abused i had so many things stacked up against me and it's almost like why in the world are you doing what you're doing right now jay and i would say to them because i want to help people i want to help young people i want to coach i want to mentor i want to do all the do all these things because that's valuable that's where life really that's where the meaning is like, I just thought I wanted, I wanted to share that because... Yeah, and, and I want to yeah. tell you, thank you for being vulnerable. And I, and I want to tell you something that I've never... I don't think I've ever shared on a podcast, or, but I was sexually abused at nine years, eight years old. Mm. So um, thank you for being brave enough to share that. Because... Yeah. And, and there's a lot more people that are that are ashamed and embarrassed of it because at eight, I thought it was my fault. Or maybe I was, mm. se I was probably seven... And I mm. thought it was my fault. I thought I Same. did something to make it happen, mm. you know, and it's one of those things that I hid and was shameful of. And, um, you know, and I've, I've processed and worked through it and forgave the person. In mm. fact, they unfortunately died early of cancer. Um, but you know, it's, it's the journey that 
we were put on and we can use it as our crutch or we can use it as the inspiration to help others and mm. and push others and give back you know I really believe it doesn't matter if you had a rough it's you know I, I can feel your heart of the, of what you've gone through um, without knowing your story mm. I, I can feel it um, and it doesn't mean that you have to go through hell and back to want more out of life no. whatever your journey was like we still need to find a burning desire why and I really believe that all of us were built to serve no matter how I don't care if it's just money you want to get out of the way I promise you all money does is magnify who you are. Yep. And most cases, most people deep down are just good people. And I have to believe that. And when money comes in, you realize, all right, I got enough for me. Who can I help? Like, I got my life preserver on. I have mm. extra life preservers. Who needs one, right? And I think that's when we really start to grow. And I think, I think when you finally accept that, mm. it's when your business actually exponentially grows. Because whether you believe in God, the universe, or karma, whatever you believe in, it's like the more you give, all of a sudden abundance finds you. And when you hide and keep it to yourself and you're selfish, I think I think that's when you wither and dry up. So um, at least that's the philosophy I'm sticking with. I love that. I, I, I feel like, and I want to ask you, Dean, are you a person of faith? Are you a man of faith? Like, do you believe in God? Yeah. I do. I had to ask that because I was sensing it. Like it's very real to you. I find that because I also am a man of faith. And one of the reasons why I've been able to do what I do is I go back to that as well. My, my strength and it's not my, it's not like, it's not a crutch. And I don't see it as that. I see it as real. I see it as something that I can share with others and say, look, I'm here because of, because of God. I'm here because he has brought me through the fire and you're right. You don't have to go through all this crazy stuff. You can make the choice right now to be in a place of growth. You can be in a place right now that you're you're not growing. That's your choice, you know. Like, but one of the things moving the the conversation forward, then I I want to say that I, I apologize um, for what you had to go through, like uh, over the years. You know, it's, it's very apologize. You know, it's very hard. I it was my journey. It was yeah. my journey and it was, and I wouldn't change any of it. Just so you know, I wouldn't change one bit Me of it. Either. My parents were married nine times. Like uh, we moved, we, I mean, lots of chaos in our lives. I had a bleeding ulcer at 10 years old because I was so scared of my dad. Like what? we had that journey, but the truth is I wouldn't change one bit of it. And, and I have to go back and, and you can get to that next question. But mm. one of the most profound things that Tony has ever said um, for me that changed my life, that made me forgive my dad, the final last 10% went away when I really took into my soul that life happens for us, not to us. Mm. That the entire journey I had was designed for me so I could be the man I, listen, I'm really proud of the man I am today. I'm proud of the husband I am. I'm proud of the father I am. I'm proud of the author I am. I'm proud of the team I have. I'm proud of so much. Now, I wasn't always proud of it. I made horrible mistakes in relationships. I let people down. I've I probably wasn't the good, the best son at certain times. I probably wasn't the best friend at certain times. But that's not where I am today. And today I'm really proud of who I am. Mm. And I couldn't be this human being unless that journey was exactly the way it was. The good, bad, and the ugly. If that each piece didn't happen, maybe I never would have had this self-actualization. Maybe I wouldn't be the husband I am, the father I am, the friend I am. And if that's the case, if I can look through that lens and keep that in my soul at all times, then I can't regret or look back with disdain on any of it. And I must forgive everybody along the journey because they were just parts in my play. 
my play of life or my book of life. And I don't know, for me, that just, uh, it's freeing. It's freeing. Do you have any regrets? Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if I can use say regrets anymore. There's things, the things that I regretted, I apologize for to the people that I regretted doing it to. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think I've made amends and I know that I'm doing, you know, again, um, I'm, I, I, I don't believe, listen, we all have our own level of faith and belief. Mm. And I don't want to be the person that makes mistake after mistake and then just think, well, I told God I was sorry and I'm good. And it's like my son keep doing the same thing over and over again. And every time I catch him, he's like, I'm sorry, dad. But then his hand goes back in the cookie jar. Yeah. Are you really sorry? Or did you just kind of yeah. want to make me feel good for a moment? Like I believe, well, I feel very good if I can make amends and if I can learn from that and I can ask for forgiveness and then actually stick to it. That's, and that's just my belief. I know mm. if, if we believe that God loves us like an unconditional father, then, then he'd forgive me anyway. But me, I, I don't want to play games with that. Like if I did something wrong, I apologize, made amends, I grew from it, I learned from it, I'm never doing it again. Mm. And that's when I can feel proud of myself. And the other thing I want to tell you too is, um, I know we live in a crazy world where sometimes you have to like disclaim that if you're a man of faith or believe in God, I, I, I think that's the craziest thing in the world. I think if whether you believe in God or not, if you believe in love, caring, connection, if you're listening to a podcast like this, does it really, it doesn't matter. And if you are a person of faith, then we must love everybody, even those that aren't believers, right? Yeah. So uh, like, I, I think the world would be so much better if we could just look through the glasses of other people and not judge. And mm -hmm. anyway, that's a whole nother topic. Oh, it is. I feel like I can unbox that for ages. But um, what I do want to ask you now, Dean, is when you earned your first million dollars is probably like way the conversation moving further down the track. But if it, what was the lesson that you learned when you earned your first million dollars? That nothing changed. Mm. There was no, the sky didn't open the box, the celebration box didn't blow out confetti and I didn't jump up and down. Like, I'm a millionaire. It was just another day. Mm. Um, I was in my mid twenties. Um, I sold a piece of real estate, a couple pieces of real estate that I've been working on for a long time. Um, I had lots of, I had built up assets, but I actually sold it and had close to a million dollars. Um, between my assets and my cash, I was worth well over a million bucks. And I just got up and went to work the next day. Mm. Uh, nothing changed. Um, I'll just be honest with you. Nothing changed except for on the outside. But what started to change in here was having that sense of like, Everybody, like so many people were wrong and I felt bad for him. It wasn't like, I can't believe my dad tried to hold me back. I can't believe my sister tried to hold me back. I can't believe my friends called me crazy. When I hit that after, in spite of my sister sitting me down and telling me to stop being a dreamer or my dad saying, you're going too fast or my friend saying, ah, you're going to lose it all. In spite of all that, I made this happen. And I wasn't the smartest guy in the world. I didn't start with money. And I remember if some of the feelings I remember having back in my 20s was, wow, they just don't get it. They're mm. all going to miss this. Like they're going to believe that story they told me for themselves. And they're all going to miss this chance. Mm. And, and I remember not feeling like, well, screw you. You said I couldn't do it. I did it. It was more like, wow, I feel bad for you because I don't think it was that hard. I stayed persistent. Yeah. Like I'm going to keep stealing your word. I just stayed persistent. And um, so I remember that. And then after a few million, um, when people say money doesn't buy happiness, I don't think you've given enough away. Because mm -hmm. when I donated a half a million dollars at Tony's birthday to Feeding America, I mean to uh, Underground Operation Underground Railroad, 
my wife and I went back to our hotel room, cried, laughed, cheered, and we were so happy that we were able to do it. So money can buy a lot of happiness, especially when you help others. Mm -hmm. So that's just something you need to throw away. But the second thing money can do when money's out of the way, it makes you look on the inside. I have to be honest, being molested, having craziness as a child, I tucked a lot of that down and ignored it. Some of the Sorry. reasons I wasn't the best in relationships when I was younger, I was always searching for what was next. I'd be mm. in a relationship, ah, oh, that was good, but there's gotta be something better. And I'd be in a relationship, it was good, there's gotta be something better. Gotta be something, I was always searching for the next thing, right? I, I'd have amazing relationship, have a friendship, but man, there's it's gotta be something better. Yeah. And I think that was a lot of my childhood of trying to get away from so much pain. I was just looking for the, the next, 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 right? Um, when money gets out of the way, I was able to look and say, okay, I can't use the excuse that I need to be successful anymore because I am successful. Mm. I can't say I'm too busy to work on my self-development because I have the money. And it really made me reflect and say it was time to work on me. Mm. And I think that was a, that was a really by, great byproduct of money I wasn't expecting is from therapy to counseling to new friends to masterminds to workshops to reading books to personal growth and deep dives and 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 really really got to the root cause of a lot of things that uh, made me the man I was mm. so I could shift and be a better version of me. Mm. I don't know if you've heard but Australians or Aussies in general we have this thing called tall poppy syndrome when we we don't like talking about money. We Honestly, it's one of those things that we try to avoid like the plague uh, because when we go up to somebody and we ask them, hey, can you give us some money? It's almost like we were stealing from them in, in, in many respects. And I felt that for so many years. And I like how you mentioned um, like how you bottled everything inside you and you always felt like you wanted more. And one of my questions to you is how do you stop that? Like how do you stop that mindset? from always wanting more like because or can you ever stop that is it possible well i haven't i'll just tell you i haven't turned it off in my desire to achieve mm. i don't i'm i'm 51 right now and and truthfully i'm blessed that i could just pack it up and go sit on the beach for the rest of my days um but i can't it's not who i am i haven't achieved enough i haven't impacted enough lives and I believe this next decade, especially Tony and I have, you know, joined forces on two different companies. Mm. Um, I think the next decade I'll impact more lives than I have my whole prior life. So I'm fired up for my fifties. Um, so I can't, I would love to give you advice and saying, how do I stop achieving? I don't, I want to grow as a human. I want to impact more lives. I want to grow more companies. And the truth is at my death, I might give it all away, right? I'm giving away a lot now, but I might give it all away. Um, it's the things I debate all the time. I want to leave my kids enough opportunity, but I don't want to ruin them and cripple them by giving them too much. Right. So mm. I'll probably give a lot of it away. Mm. Um, but I found a way to, to understand my values in my personal life, um, of what I really wanted and who I was and the man I had to become. So I wasn't looking for what's next. Mm. And I slowed down and, and really decided who I needed to be to attract the love of my life. And, mm. um, and I did, I'm married, uh, married again uh, to the love of my life. We fall more in love every single day, but I had to go through that old journey to be here, mm. right? Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing to want to keep achieving, especially if there's two things that you want to go for is growth and contribution, mm. right? If you're achieving because you want to grow and contribute and grow, man, that just feels better than saying, I just want more money in the bank, yep. right? Like one sounds like, uh, one sounds like, oh, I get it. Mm, I like that. Dean, I know your time is very valuable. I have a couple more questions for you if you don't mind. 
This one is one of my all-time favorite questions that I love asking towards the end, which is my legacy question. You sort of touched on it in a little bit uh, before when you said you want to leave a legacy, but when you, you've been able to reach the age of 100, you said you're 51 now, so you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it or we'll just call it magic. But they did and they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Uh, really good question. Um, that you could start off any place and still achieve success. Mm. Uh, you can make mistakes. You can fail. You can hurt people, do dumb things, and you can spin that around and you can find a pure soul and you can uh, adopt and adjust your values mm. that you can contribute to the world while simultaneously being successful. Mm. That you can have money and not be a jerk. That you can, you can help others along the way. And mostly that I was a, a damn good husband and an incredible father. Mm. I love that. My second last question for you, Dean. This one, this may be a hard one to answer, but we'll see how we go. If you could ask a question to anyone alive or dead, who would it be, why, and what question would you ask them? Wow, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I would probably, this make me, makes me emotional, so you, you, you hit, a, and hit a nerve. I'd probably ask my grandmother who, uh, mm. who raised me most of my childhood. I'd probably ask her um, how she learned to be um, just like the most amazing role model in my life. My grandmother, uh, when she was in seventh grade, her mom died. Um, when she was in eighth grade, her mom died in her arms. She had a heart attack. And in eighth grade, her father was a volunteer fireman and the fire truck flipped over on the way to a fire, rolled over and killed him. So seventh grade lost mom, eighth grade lost her dad. She had five brothers and sisters. They were Italian immigrants. My grandmother quit eighth grade, went and got a job and raised all the kids. They never went to an orphanage. And the youngest was like four. So she quit. I mean, my daughter's in eighth grade, so I can't, my daughter's an amazing young lady, but she doesn't know how to cook an egg. Like mm. my grandmother quit eighth grade, raised all those kids and then no, nothing past an eighth grade education. Then she got married to my grandfather, had my mother. My mother had me. My parents split when I was three and I moved in with my grandmother. And I have to say, I don't know if I'd be the man I am today without her. She wow. just taught me the simplest lessons. Like, like, don't stress about the things you can't change. And she told me every single day that I was beautiful, that I was smart, that I could do anything I wanted. She just planted seeds in me my whole childhood. And I would just love to ask her where that came from because she had every reason to be resentful, right? Her childhood was stolen from her, right? She had every reason to be mad, every reason not to love kids. And she just loved me in a way that I'm, a, I'm the man I am today because of her. So thank you for reminding me of, of my grandmother. That reminded me of my grandfather, very much, very much the same. <laughs> it brings back a lot of memories. But uh, did you ever get a chance to ask her how she was able to do it? How she was able to raise? No, she, no, she, she died about 14 years ago. Mm. Um, but she was still my best friend all the way to the end. She was honestly the, the closest person in my life. We never, same. we never strayed. And she wasn't the grandmother that like disappeared. She, she was just always there. She lived with me when I was in my twenties and I loved having her there. She wasn't a burden. I couldn't wait for her to live with me. And 
just mm. uh, we we stayed close forever. Mm. I love that. I could go on for ages about that. But my last question for you, Dean, is this one is a fun one. What is the weirdest food combination you've ever tried? The weirdest food combination. Um, I just tried it the other day and I kept telling my wife I'm never going to do it. I know this sounds silly, but it was a, a waffle, a waffle with jelly and egg on top and maple syrup. And my wife's like, you never had that when you were a kid? I'm like, no, I don't think anyone <laughs> in the world ever has. Um, and I've been making fun of her. She, she's only had it twice since I met her. But um, last week she made it and I tried it and it was okay. It was okay. I have to, I have to try that now. The egg sounds a bit, <laughs> bit interesting. Okay, I'm going to add that to my ever-growing <laughs> list. But Dean, I just want to say thank you so much for your vulnerability today, for giving back, for your education. Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you and learn more about you? Yeah, uh, Instagram. I try to do a story I do every single day at Dean Graziosi. Uh, my podcast, The Dean Graziosi Show, um, we just started focusing on it this year and it's already, I think it's number 22 in the world in entrepreneur, top right. 100 in business. Uh, so it's growing pretty, pretty fast. Um, and if you want to check out my latest book, go to deansbook.com, deansbook.com. I'll make sure that's all in the show notes below. Dean Graziosi, thank you so much for your time for coming on the Storybox podcast. Well, thank you for a really great interview, man. Pleasure meeting you. I don't like this part because it means that sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.